girl. Constance Hall, one of the most talked about bloggers in the country. A look out! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking, and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend. The yin to her yang. The gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens, by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating, and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girl! Good morning. Happy Sunday, Constance. Good morning, beautiful. How are you? I'm great today, and I've noticed you've had a bit of a, a do change that you've lightened oh, the yeah. locks. Half, yeah, half of it's stuffed, but that's, you know, that's the story of my life. Hairdressers, we think we know everything. I like it. Thanks for I'm just take. I might sound preoccupied, but I'm, as we speak, um, Facebook hacking one of the techs that I work with <laughs> <laughs> who left his Facebook open, which was really dumb around me. I, I cannot go past an open Facebook without hacking people. I don't think that's legal, but anyway. And speaking of other sort of legal issues, Con, you've got something really important that you want to talk about. I wrote a post a couple of weeks ago about scab duty. And how my step gig got scabbed, and everybody wanted to know what he did. And with the world full of keyboard warriors online, I thought it's better something that I chatted about on the radio. So I'm going to talk about what he did to get scabbed, Judy, and why. I'm. It's questionable, and I'm not being a helicopter mum. It's a very questionable topic. All right. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing all about it. And Con, I've got myself into an awkward situation where What's I mean? have anxiety walking out my front door. So I'm going to mm-hmm. reveal why a bit later on. Mm-hmm. And next, Con, we're going to be talking about something that is so taboo, it was not able to be talked about on national television. Ah. Yes. I just looked down on our run sheet. We're going there. <laughs> We're going there. Okay. <laughs> Wicked. Can't wait. The, 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 the Queen Sesh. Just a heads up, if you are eating your breakfast, we are about to go there. We're going to be doing some poo chats. So that's okay. that's your warning. It happens within about five minutes of every show. We, get, we go there. <laughs> Now, this week I was um, reading an uh, article from someone that I love to follow, Sophia Ka- Sophie Kachia. Kachia, I think. Yeah. Kachia, Kachia, Kachia. She's a young mummy. The young mummy we all yeah. know her as. And <laughs> she wrote about her beautiful little baby girl, Flossie, and, how, and the birth story. And, of course, I'm such a birth story creep. I can't go past a birth story. Mm. And there's not enough hours in the day for me to read every freaking article that pops up on my Facebook. But I will read a birth story article any day. And... I was scammed through it, waiting to get to the part to see whether or not they crapped while giving birth. <laughs> if it's a natural one, usually you don't crap during cesareans. No. Because it's something that we don't talk about. And I think we spend all of our lives go- giving kids, giving teenagers fake babies and going there, try a night with no sleep. Then you're going to, you know, how are you going to feel then? Don't have babies, contraception, blah. What we should be saying to these teenage girls is, do you realise if you have a baby, you will crap all over your boyfriend and all over your hot obstetrician? <laughs> Where I'm going with this, it brought me back flashback hands. When I was 28 and I was giving birth to my son Arlo, all I was thinking about is please don't poo. For anyone listening that hasn't actually given birth or watched someone give birth or been close to someone that's given birth, you... I get, you get told to push and you get told to push like you're doing a poo. You, there's no way of differentiating Ugh. between pushing from your vagina and pushing from your bowels. No. So if there's anything that's going to come out, it's going to come out. And I just didn't want to do it because I'd fallen in love with my obstetrician. Yes. It was a deep love. Mm. And I remember. I was obsessed. I made so many weird appointments. I shaved, I waxed, <laughs> I did things. I kept, I kept pretending that I had anxiety about things that I didn't have anxiety about just oh, to talk no. to him. He's really handsome. Dodge a love if you listening, I still have feelings. <laughs> now I'm still available. No, I'm not available. I never was. But anyway, it happens. Halfway through, you're like pushing, pushing, you just get this baby out of me. And then you're like, what's that smell? Oh, no. <laughs> 
And Sophie wrote the same thing in her blog that she was like, and she looked around and everybody just goes quiet and they look away and they go, yes, because you need to know. Whereas me, it was different for me. I'd said to everybody, if I poo, I don't want to know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I was like, what is that? Did I? Did I? Didn't I? And everybody looked down and I later found out that I did. <laughs> Anyway, the birth poo, it's, it's an important topic to talk about. It happens to women all over the world and it's, you know, even when we're in that moment of agony, we've still got dignity and we, you know, our, like, insides getting torn open and babies getting pulled out, but we don't want to poo in front of, like, 20 people. You know, it's Mm-mm. still something that plays on your mind even though you've just given life, you know? And that concludes our poo chats. You're <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure something else about poo is going to come up. Thanks for listening, Queens. This is the Queen Sesh. As I've been telling you, I'm going through something at the moment. I mm-hmm. am improving my mind. I'm improving my soul. Oh, my God. Is this about you trying to become Oprah? No, I'm not. I'm listening I've to been, Oprah, Have you though. noticed that I've been ignoring all those text messages? <laughs> I mean, you're like, I'm really spiritual. I'm zen. I'm Oprah. I just, okay, whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm not Oprah. ignoring them. I'm listening to Oprah and she's giving me so much. But anyway, I've started seeing a psychologist mm. and I'm getting so much out of it. I haven't actually done one-on-one counselling before. Oh, wow. It's the best, isn't it? But here's the problem. He lives next door to me. That would be a problem for me. No. Because I fall in love with everybody. Oh, that's God. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of couldn't even have a male driving teacher. Anyway, so he lives next door to you. Yes. So wow. now every time I leave my door, I get mm. paranoid I'm going to run into him. Yes. And, like, you know, I expose my And you're going to be doing something secrets. that you promised him you'd stop doing. Yeah, or if I'm, like, taking, you know, I've got five bottles of empty wine bottles <laughs> and I'm putting them in the recycling and he'll be, like, judging My it. recycling bin is very not for public knowledge. <laughs> You know what I mean? I've, I just mm. live in or fear. Or he'll hear you, like, yelling at Clarence when you've just been, like, telling him about how Clarence yells at you and you're the victim of the marriage and it's not going to go down well. Do you remember a million years ago when we had that share house defamation mansions? Yeah. And I hooked I up with one of the guys that we were sharing with. <coughs> one. Okay, was cool. One? <laughs> it was, was not. It? No, was it two? Was it, like... One of the, you hooked up with the one in the room next to us and then you hooked up with one of the backpackers that moved into the room, oh that, like the front room. That, there was like two bedrooms in there yeah. and like five backpackers moved in. And so by the end of, by the time we had to, we moved out, you pretty much could only use the window to get in and out. Because <laughs> you were like, the chances of you running into somebody that you'd slept with was so high. And everyone, and I just be like, oh, hey guys, and I'd like, oh, I don't know, I haven't seen her in ages. As I'm like covering the cur- curtain so that you could like escape. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right back there. I'm back to the def- I'm back to the defamation mansions where and I had to crawl out the me. window, and I don't have a back exit or escape. And we want to be hearing from who else has shit where they ate is what I like to call it, where yep. you literally um, live in fear. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of you for swearing on national radio. <laughs> no, usually it's you being beeped, not me. I know. <laughs> that probably our senses are going to be like, what? They won't even pick it up. I bet that slips through the senses. <laughs> we'll be chatting to you next. <laughs> Just before con, I came clean about uh, my new anxiety in life, which is uh, running into my psychologist who lives next door to me. Yes, stupidest decision you've ever made in your life. Worst decision I've ever made. Worst decision. At the time, I thought it would cut out travel. It could have been worse. You could have slept with him. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it did uh, sort of bring up the question, and we wanted to hear from some people about when have you shat where you eat, which is, you know, the expression, (laughs) and then you've lived in fear of running into them, like I currently am. Um, And we had Pamela, uh, she actually commented on our Facebook page. She said, she took my boyfriend, now husband, to the pub where I met my ex boyfriend and yes he was there 
Mm. Oh, that's that's an Orkies one, isn't it? That's well, that's just the story of my life. <laughs> like, I can't walk down the street without bumping into people I've slept with, and I just had to come to terms with this. And you know, like I had a wild twenties, like yeah. early twenties. So relatable, you know? Pamela. So relatable, Pamela. <laughs> We've also got Cassie from Queensland. When have you got yourself into a little situation? Uh, there was a guy who used to come into my work and buy coffee every day. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was quite a bit of all right. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been stalking him for a while. Mm-hmm. And I finally <laughs> run into him at the pub. Uh, nice. It was Christmas party. We go home. Everything's all good. Wake up the next morning. Go to the bathroom. Sitting there. I go, hang on. I've been in this house before. I slept with his flatmate. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like the weekend before. It was a week before. Yes. That's great. Yeah, I love this. See, the world's getting too small for women like us. Oh, Cassie. Yes, I went on to date and marry this guy. So <gasps> oh, I had yay! to run into his flatmate all the time after that. And he used to wait until my oh. now husband was out of the room and then hang crap on me and go, so did you just have a good go like we did that? Oh, <laughs> oh my oh, God, my that's God. really gross. <gasps> I love that, Cassie, and I love that you end up marrying him as well. This is the Queen Sesh. So, Anne, I wrote a post about how one of my stepkids... Well, we don't say step in our family. One of the kids got um, scab duty. He had to mm. pick up rubbish for a week. So the teacher called me and talked to me about it. And she was like, look, he needs to get scab duty because he's done something really bad. And I said, what did he do? And she said he was part of a play fight. Now, the boys have this ridiculous thing where they play fight all the time. Yeah. It looks violent. It's pretty full on. And I totally understand she goes, it's against school policy. And I get that because it's really hard for teachers to be able to tell whether it's a play fight or not. Yeah. And, you know, because it does look violent. Like, they film it and they show me the filming. And I'm always like, what? Where was I when this happened? That looks really, you know, full on. And part of me thinks it's good that they're getting out the testosterone. But then if yeah. it gets too violent, people get hurt. I don't want to know about it. And I was like, yep, cool, punish him. I, I'm not, I don't agree with scab duty, but whatever. That's mm-hmm. He gets, and she goes, no, he's not getting scab duty for being part of the fight. He's getting scab duty because his telephone was used to film it mm-hmm. by one of his friends. And I was like, hang on, is that a bigger crime than being part of the fight? And she goes, well, yeah, the education department has an instant suspension for any kids caught filming a fight. And I was like, what? Because I remember a couple of years ago, everyone was filming fights, and I get it. Like, it's pestering the, 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 for the schools. They've got their school uniform. It goes viral on the internet. It's bad for school reps. But it created this huge, like, outrage about the bullying that was happening at schools. Mm. And it was actually become... The, we got, like, this big overhaul a couple of years ago where people were actually being interviewed by, like, news shows and stuff. And I was... It was breaking my heart because I didn't know this stuff was going on. And I was like, what am I going to do when my kids go to high school? How do we mm. protect them? And b- bullying being one of our, as in me and you and this show's, like, number one focuses, you, usually we focus on un- online bullying, but, like... I thought to myself, are they just trying to cover this up so that it's not as big a problem because it's not going viral on the internet? We, we did try. We tried to get so many people to come and talk to us. But the issue is it's such a sensitive thing that anyone who's actively in the education department, teachers and so forth, were told that they weren't able to come and talk to us about it. That, see, that, that is alarm bells to me as well. Like if you're going to put a process or a procedure or whatever in place that's going to affect our children and potentially their safety at school, you're going to have to own up to why 
you're doing that. And we don't want to attack anyone or accuse. We want to be, I want to understand. I want a teacher or I want someone from the ed department to just let me, help me understand why that is such a big crime. And yeah, I get it. Kind of phones at schools and all the rest of it. But, you know, like. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to know what's going on. What else are we covering up? Well, the, the statement that we, and part of the statement we received from one of the education departments of Australia said, principals determine each school's mobile phone policy. In all cases of inappropriate mobile phone use, including the use of mobile phone cameras to photograph students or staff, government schools' discipline policies and procedures, including suspension, will be applied. Now, a friend of mine who wanted to come on, who's actively a teacher at the moment, what she told me is the reason is it's not about the school's rep. It's about protecting the kids in the fight because if that footage goes viral then that can affect them for the rest of their lives. Does that make sense? So that was oh, her, yeah, yeah. And I totally get that and I totally think that you've got to protect the kids. But if, we don't, if we're not finding out about this stuff, then how are we going to be able to protect them? Well, this is new for us, Con, because this didn't exist when we are in school and you're just Did coming into it exist, now. exactly. Um, but I'm sure so many other people who are listening, um, we'd love to hear from you. We'll put a shout-out on our Facebook page. We'll keep the conversation going. That's my girl. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Anna. Come on, girl. The sesh is back, Con. The sesh is back. Yes. And the Sunday sesh. The Sunday sesh. Maybe we should rename our show The Sunday Sesh. We should sesh. be drinking beer, basically. <laughs> Definitely, or at least a Bloody Mary. Um, and yes, you might have met my friend, Constance Hall. She's you a writer. Have. She's, she's, a she's a sex symbol. Yeah, all of all of the above. Um, and I'm I'm her best mate, Annalise. With agoraphobia. This is my agoraphobic best mate, Annalise. Yeah. I, if you did, if you didn't uh, catch the last hour of the show, you can catch up. Uh, just search the Queen Sesh for our catch up and find out why I can no longer leave my house. <laughs> and uh, coming up, Con, we're going to be talking to a mum. She's written a beautiful book uh, about her experience raising her daughter with autism and deafness. Yeah, beautiful. I can't wait because I did read a bit of the book and it's really interesting. I loved her. I loved her writing style. Yeah. It was beautiful, yeah. I'm excited to say like the rankest thing of my life that happened to me this morning and I'm still sort of cringing. I've still got goosebumps of horror. I'm scared, mm. to be honest. I'm actually scared because if you think it's really rank... I don't. Uh, and I you, want to talk and you haven't it. even run That's it past our producer yet, so let's just no. wait and see. <laughs> if, if that, if you actually never hear about the rank thing, it's because our producer cut it. It's all good, guys. Catch up on the podcast. <laughs> Queen sesh. Okay, now, and the other day I was feeling really hot, like really hot, like, you know, as we all know, I've lost a kilo and a half mm. in the last month and I'm taking it slow and um, <laughs> I was feeling fresh. So I had this amazing outfit on. I actually had a pair of my pants that I've designed on a sample pair and I was in the... Um, in a restaurant that no one else is in because I live in the country mm. and no one comes to that part where I live in Margaret River in winter. Yeah. And so there was literally, I was the, me and Denzi were the only people in the whole cafe. And so I went to the toilet and I just was, you know, a bit blown away by how hot I looked. So I took a selfie. Of course. And I Instagrammed it. Now, I was in the disabled toilets. Oh, God. I know. I know. But you know what? I have this brain condition where I go into the disabled toilets because I've been a mum for eight years doing nappies for eight years, and that's mm. where the change table is. So, I'm, like, I don't even think of the ethics anymore. I just go in there, and I've got to get it out of my head because then I put it on Instagram, and I was like, yes, I'm in the disabled toilets because, you know, there was a toilet in the background. It wasn't like I'm not very good at Instagram mm. and making my photos look, you know, 
Yeah. And then I started getting trolled. And people were like, who do you think you are being in the, in, in the disabled toilets? And I was about to defend myself. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think. Like, it just, you know how it just doesn't occur to me anymore, but good point, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm going to be in the normal toilets if I don't have my children with me. If I've got a nappy to do, then sure, go to the suburb. But then these people came to my rescue and they were like, excuse me, she has ulcerative colitis. <gasps> <laughs> She's, that is a disability. And I do actually have been issued a card from the medical, like, yeah. society to say that I'm allowed to use the same. And that I'm allowed to skip the line mm-hmm. if I'm in a normal toilet. And it also asks, please, to like servos. You know how sometimes you can't use a toilet? Mm. Please, can this, it's, and it has in big capitals, urgent, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Right now, Con and I are very excited because we're going to be chatting to Melinda Hildebrandt. She's a mum. She's just written a book, Amelia and Me, and it's about parenting a child with autism and deafness. Welcome to the Queen Sesh, Melinda. Hello. How are you? Yeah, we're really good. Thank you. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited to be joining you. I love you guys. Oh. <laughs> well, do you know what? We we actually had the pleasure of reading a few chapters of your book and we were both just talking before how much we were enjoying it. So we love you too. I'm so, I'm so glad. Okay, awesome. Mutual admiration society. <laughs> um, so the book is Amelia and Me and it's about your journey with your daughter. Um, and yes. Do you know what I just found so, um, I didn't know it existed, was that you can find out that your kid is deaf at age two. Yes. I mean, it was sort of, we were a bit unlucky with that because now if you have um, a child in any hospital in Victoria, for instance, and I think it's national, you have like a hearing screen. But at the time when I had Amelia, they hadn't rolled it out to all the hospitals yet. So So just for those listening, how old is Amelia? So she's eight and a half now. Okay. So so obviously, um, because we don't have a history of deafness in our family, no one was looking for it. And, Mm. um, and you're not really, you, you just don't, you think that you notice everything about a baby, but a baby is, you know, communicating in lots of different ways and mm. they're not expected to communicate a lot in terms of speech for a while. So it wasn't really until we couldn't, she really wasn't developing her speech sort of between one and two that we sort of thought there's something not quite right here. But even then, um, kids develop at a different rate. Some yeah. kids talk later. Mm. So it could have, so we were thinking, oh, maybe, um, she had a lot of um, ear infections, so we thought maybe um, she's just got a lot of fluid in there or something. Yeah, so we were just sure. looking at temporary reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, so when we finally went to have her tested at the Royal Children's here in Melbourne, um, we were just thinking, oh, you know, it'll be fine, then we'll get some speech therapy. And they said, no, actually, she has this permanent hearing loss. And so that's, you know, where we went off into a whole different world <laughs> from there. Mm-hmm. So... It was pretty crazy. When yeah. you say permanent hearing loss, is you yeah. know when you see those viral videos nowadays of like, listen, watch this yeah. girl or this man yeah. as he hears for the first time. Is any of that an option for Amelia? What happened when she was diagnosed too was that she was fitted with hearing aids and so that gave her a lot more than she had at the time. So yep. there was lots of different uh, levels of hearing loss. So hers was at a sort of moderately severe level at that time. It's changed since then. But hearing aids had give, have given her so much and the main thing being she can hear... Um, she could hear enough speech sounds so she could learn how to talk because without them, she just wouldn't have been able to have enough enough access. So, um, so that's worked really well until say the last year when we noticed that her speech, um, because she was already 
quite delayed from that mm-hmm. two years she missed from birth. Mm-hmm. We were wondering what was happening and you, you sort of get tested as a kid every eight weeks to see where your hearing's at and hers is unfortunately degraded to oh. an almost profound level now. So, um, so that's why we're um, in two weeks just getting a cochlear implant on her left side, which is the worst side, so that that's the next option that's going to help sustain that that level she needs to be able to speak. She's also um, a fluent um, user of Auslan, which is amazing. So she has two languages, but I really want her to be fluent in both so that she can move between, say, the deaf world and the hearing world, you know, quite easily. Yep. So, you know, um, unfortunately, I, I never really, I was really hoping that things would remain stable, but it just hasn't, it hasn't turned out that way, unfortunately. Yeah. But the, yeah. the cochlear implant will improve things. Yes. The, oh, perfect. Tell me, while I've it got will. you, what motivated you to write this beautiful book? So um, I started writing it as a blog in about 2013. So mm-hmm. I had left, I'd left a job at that time because Amelia's, um, sort of aut- autism diagnosis was just on the horizon and she was really uh, difficult and challenging at that time behaviourally. So I thought I'll leave work and just deal with this and, you know, sort of see if I can give her the help she needs. And so just because I had banked a lot of, you know, gr- grief and pain and things I just needed to get off my test, I thought I'll just start writing it down. And initially it was just for me and then I started sharing it with friends and family and people responded really well to it. They just they just really loved hearing more about what was happening with us and and learning more about Amelia and her kind of challenges and stuff. So um so I just found it so therapeutic I have to say. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and then um and then some some other kind of things happened with the family and I thought I'd just love to turn it into a book, which doesn't mean, you know, the end of um, you know, all the struggles. It just means it's a really nice way to just draw a close to that that yep. time where things yep. were the way they were. And I've had amazing feedback from other parents. So I just really I just really felt like you know, putting it together and sharing it with them um, yep. as well because I really get where they're, where they're at with what they're going through too. It must be so therapeutic yeah. for a mum to be able to read your story firsthand, especially when you're going through similar diagnoses or the fear of the unknown and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, mm. exactly. And even just, I get, I get letters from lots of different parents, some of them just parents who have kids without special needs, for whom it's just the battle of parenting every day and I haven't left the house in a week and the yeah. isolation of that and so they can relate because sometimes all I'm writing about is the battle to toilet train a child who's really angry, right? And, like, I feel yeah. like a lot of moms can relate to that. Absolutely. And then, yeah. yeah, and then at the more kind of um, niche end of things, I have a lot of parents who um, have a child who's both deaf and autistic writing to me because although it seems like that's quite uncommon, it's clearly not that yeah. uncommon. And so I think that's been really exciting for some moms writing to me saying, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm, I hope to see some of my life reflected yeah, yeah, yep. so, yeah, yep. yeah. There's always an area that like a lot of people are going to relate to. I'll write the weirdest blog, and I think no one will relate to it, but they might find it interesting. Yeah. And so many people relate to that. Go, that's what I've been going through. I thought I was the only one, and it's just like, yeah. you know, the internet's great for that because you can reach that's broader what I love audiences. Too. And it's so it's so democratic. I love the thing I've loved about blogging, and I've self published this book, so I set up my own company to do it. Is I'm not waiting around for someone to give me permission to do it. I'm just saying yeah. this Absolutely. is my experience. I'm going to be super honest about it and that's just how I prefer to write. Um, for me, it doesn't it doesn't work to, to give you half the story. I'm going to give you the whole thing. Um, yeah. As confronting as that can be, sometimes it's really helpful for me. But, um, I mean, I just love that. You can just say what you want to say. Um, 
some people will like it, some people won't, but it's it's a free country. I just feel like just share what you need to and more and often there's than no not, gatekeepers anymore. No one's telling us what exactly. you can and can't what you should exactly. think about this. It's just between exactly. two moms. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. Well done. Um, thank you so much, Melinda, for sharing that with us. Um, where can we buy the book? Yes, where can we where can yes. we get our hands on it? So you can buy it um, directly from me um, via my website at melindahildebrandt.com.au um, yep. or for international travellers, you can get it via Amazon as well. Perfect. Thank you Fantastic. so much. And the we, book's called Amelia and Me. Amelia and Me. That missed that in the beginning. Yeah. Me, Thank Melinda. you so much. It was such Thanks, a pleasure Melinda. to talk. Thank pleasure you. Pleasure was all ours. The Queen Sesh. Now, Annalise. I'm scared. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, I'm scared right now. I, the most disgusting thing happened to me, and I don't know if it's going to be disgusting to you, but okay. to me, this is the most disgusting thing that could have possibly happened. My house is in the forest and my bedroom is upstairs, so yes. I get lots of like, you know, spiders and stuff like that in summer, but it's been mm. really wet, wet, so I haven't had anything. It's just been lovely, like mm-hmm. no bugs or anything. And um, I got out of bed this morning and I just put my foot down the side <gasps> of the bed and I just felt this crunch. And sort of like, and I, you know what, my kids oh, are arts and crafty, so no. I just thought it was a piece of like rubbish or a Freddo wrapper or whatever. So I <clears throat> stepped on it again, and oh. I felt this pop. I felt this pop, oh. and Elise, a pop, and. I looked oh down oh. and there was a big black cockroach oh. and it had popped <laughs> under the ball of my foot <gasps> and this white goo oh, had come out of it God. and it was stuck on the side of my foot. Now, oh, my God. Let's put this in perspective. I just yelled at Denim, my partner, oh, no. for not doing enough housework. I had gone, you, if you spend another day, like, doing your own stuff and not, like, cleaning the house, no, no, no. Honestly, the resentment's building, Denim. Oh. And Denim was just, like, trying to pretend that I wasn't there. So he put like a pillow over his face. Yeah. And then I went to get up and I was like, uh, uh, oh. ah! and I was like, Dad! He was like, he thought that I was getting like murdered right next to him. And he was like, what? And then like, I couldn't even tell him what had happened. I started doing like interpretive dance. You know, when you're like, and I was like running around. That's great. And I was trying to wipe the gooey white off my foot. With what? With your hand or something? And then I was like putting it in the bath and like wiping it on the bathtub. Oh my God. He found it, and when he found it, it still had the white thing attached oh. to its bum, and it was still trying to walk off. And he, like, grabbed it in toilet paper and flushed it down the toilet. And I spent the next half an hour, like, <coughs> looking like a headless chicken walking around the house. Oh. Like, <coughs> I actually wish you hadn't come in. And then I, and then I forgave <laughs> Denim for being lazy around the house because, you know, he gets rid of gooey, gooey white cockroach things for me. That's love, baby. I'm going to go vomit right now. This is the Queen Sesh. Con, the sesh is nearly coming to a close. Yep. So it's time for Queen Vice. Queen Vice, our favourite part where we actually get to, like, hear from you guys, hear what you want to, like, talk about, what's going on with you. And today's yeah. is? Today's, it's um, it's a beautiful one. And we've actually, you'll be relieved, obviously, as we are. We've phoned a friend to come in and give advice for us, which is our favourite thing. Yep. And we have the... Lovely Terry Smith. She's the CEO of Panda, which is Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia. Because we've had someone contact us on our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh, um, with a, a postnatal depression sort of question. So, welcome, Terry, to The Queen Hi, Terry. Sesh. Thanks so oh, much. Thanks, thanks for the chance to be here. So pleased that someone someone contacted you and said they were, they were reaching out for their friend. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. yeah. It's a sign of the times, Terry. It's a good thing. 
So, Terry, this this is what uh, Queen Anon has said. She said, I'm really worried about my friend. Since the birth of her second baby, and he's a few months old now, my friend doesn't seem herself. I'm still worried she might be suffering from postnatal depression, but how do I bring this up without offending her, and what if I'm wrong? Oh, what a, what a great a great query, and, and so important that, yeah. that we're all looking out for each other. Um, because often what we know, so just, just, just as a little bit of background, Panda runs a national health line. So every, every day we talk to, to women from right across the country who are, who are reaching out to us um, to, to, to get some help. And, but we know from every one of those calls it's really hard to do that. It's really mm. hard to take the first mm. step. And also, often, uh, you know, about 60% of our callers have taken a long time to recognise what's actually happening. Yeah, you know, right. you're, you're busy, you've got a baby, you're just getting stuck into it. And, yeah. and, often and you don't know what's like, normal. Mm. Oh, God, you, you've got my line. Yeah, it's the new normal. What, what's normal? And we're, yeah. we're seriously, we so often have conversations with women where they're saying, I just thought this was a new thing. And yeah. like, I didn't think that's what it was going to be. I thought it would be much mm. more fun than this. But mm. sometimes that's it. So so to sort of get down to, to some real advice, I reckon the first really important thing is that um, this is really common. So about one in six months. It's going to happen to about one in six months. So one in everyone six. Can, yes, so to a um, certain extent, it kind of is becoming normal, isn't it? If the it rates is. are on the rise to that sort of level... <sighs> Exactly. Yet somehow or other, you know, we're talking about it today, which thrills me. Um, mm-hmm. But so often, um, when we're not talking about it, so lots of mums don't talk about it. Um, and I, you know, from where we sit, we think the best thing we could all do is talk much more about the reality that it can be really tough being a yeah. mum, and uh, and sometimes that's even more tough because we're talking about about a mental illness here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's anxiety or depression. It can be either. So don't think it could just be depression because they're quite different things. Obviously, depression we think about in those low moods, the, the sadness, often withdrawal from friends and family yeah. and not finding joy. But the anxiety symptoms uh, that some people have will be heightened. You know, they could be panic attacks or constant worry. And I think I think if, if everyone stops and thinks there's probably a mum near you where you're thinking, she's worrying a bit much. I mean, we all worry about kids, you know. Mm, of course, yeah. you worry about your kids. But, but there's a spot where that uh, worry can go can go too far. So, what if you're worrying thing, not just about you? Sorry, I always use you guys yeah. as my personal counsellor. Mm. Um, but what about what if you're like worrying? Because I don't really worry so much about my kids. I don't worry about babies, you know, because I've had so many that I just feel like I know it like the back yeah. of my hand. Whereas <laughs> like I worry about everything else. Like I'll lie awake in bed yeah. all night just worried. Yeah. So yeah. could that come into like more of an anxiety, depression rather than a postnatal thing? Or is postnatal like no. specifically when you're worried about your babies, or is it just when your no. mood? No, like, no, doesn't, changes doesn't a lot. A, I think that, that where it becomes uh, a postnatal issue is when it occurs after yep. your baby's born. So, yep, okay. um, but you know, it doesn't matter from from our point of view that the principles are pretty much the same. That mm-hmm. um, we know that um, that that mental health problems uh, and that can range from very mild through to very serious. So, it's important for us to recognise that mm. getting help's really important because for some women. It, it can be really serious, but the good news, because I want to come in with the good news story now, having having dropped that data into the conversation, the yep. good news is it's a really recoverable illness. So getting yep. help is really yep. important. 
and you know, it, it makes an enormous difference. So, so when approaching, back, okay, yeah, that was our, that was I guess our question. Like in terms of approaching a friend, if you're, you know, if someone accused me of something, I can imagine I'd be very defensive, <laughs> and you know, yeah, how, how yeah. does that, how do you do it without offending, yeah. or if you're worried you might be wrong? I, I guess I like the stats that you just gave us as well. Yeah. I think it's to arm yourself with a bit of stats and let yeah, people know how normal it that's is. That's what I'm saying. The stats are so okay. So the first thing here is because you know we're not going to accuse. We're going to we're going to start with, you know, I'm just I'm just reaching out to you because I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, own it, own it. It's me. I just want to know that you're okay. And part of that is that I know that lots of women don't know just how common it is. So this might yeah. not be happening to you, but I want to say to you, this happens. It can yeah. it happens to lots and lots of mums. And then I want to say, right, right, right in there behind that is, you know, if it is happening to you, it doesn't make you a bad mum. It's so important because women are thinking, you know, the worst, often the thing that's stopping you getting help is that you might have to say to yourself, oh, you know, we have such expectations of mums. You know, mums Mm. mums can do everything. Mums are perfect. Mums are Mm. great. Mums have a really hard job. And Mm. if you're experiencing an illness in there as well, uh, it's really easy to feel like you're to blame. So I often think (laughs) that it's the better mums that get it because, like, some mums, including me, are just like, yeah, the babies will be fine. I'm going back to work. No, 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 no. (laughs) But then, like, my friends who are, like, really good mums and want everything perfect and they're so worried, they're the ones that can get it. And I'm like, oh, my God, you are expecting way too much of yourself, babe. Get a nanny. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, you know, not everyone's in a position to get a nanny, but give yourself yeah, a break. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and know that this is an illness. So this is the other the other thing I think is really useful in a conversation is that, you know, if if, if your friend had broken their arm or had pneumonia, yeah. um, it you'd be, be jumping on him there, wouldn't mm. you? So yeah. we've, we've come a long way talking yeah. about, about mental illness, but we've got a long way to go. Got a you long know, way to go. I, I live <laughs> for that day where we just say, so it's the cold, it's the flu, it's depression, it's anxiety. Who's yeah, broken absolutely. up? It's, so yep. I think you don't accuse of, someone of getting cancer, do you? No, you really don't. So, so we're not accusing; we're helping. So, so knowing that you're actually coming in from a helpful position. Um, one of the things that I think is a really nice, easy thing is: look, um, if you ha- if you start that conversation with your friends, you talk about the numbers. You say you're just reaching out because you really want to help. Um, let them know about Panda's website. I mean, th- yeah. we have a helpline too, and they're very, very, very welcome to call the helpline. But if someone's a little bit reserved, going onto the helpline, there uh, onto the website. Sorry, panda.org.au. There's so many fabulous women who have shared their stories of what happened to them because they don't want other women to do it. They, yep. they want other women to feel supported and know they're not alone. So sometimes what we hear from women, or often what we hear is that just playing around on the website and looking for someone's story that sounded like them, they find their story in there and they go, yeah, okay, that's sounding, that's sounding yep. really like I can relate to that. But also the great news is the women who've written their stories, they're well now. You know, they've all got mm. on. Um, Light they're great. The their babies are great. They love their yep. baby. Everything's fantastic. They've, they've pulled their relationship together because, you know, it can really put a lot of pressure on relationships as well. Yes. I mean, you've already got a new baby, but, um, but you're spitting out. You're not yourself. You're not, not being the person that your partner kind of, you know, thought they'd hooked up with. And, you know, partners hanging in there, you know, they need, um, and they usually do want to know. Um, so I think just, just treating people like real people is a really good way to, yep. to get in there and offer some help. And I'm going to say this up front. How often do we as women go, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't need help. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, just just be ready ready for that one. I reckon Absolutely. the casserole's not dead. 
But yeah, but um, do you, and do you know what else? When people go, oh, you should just ask for help. I've asked for help so many times, and nobody's like helped. And everybody yeah. goes, I'm really sorry. And I saw my girlfriend; she lives in Queensland. Put up a thing today. I'm really sick, guys. She's a single mum. I got gastro and this and that, mm. and I've got to finish the last two things. Need to be removed from my old house, and I need to hand the keys back. Can anybody help? And there was just all this. Oh my god, I would, but I'm so sorry. And I live in oh. Perth and in Margaret River, and I didn't want to comment because I didn't want to be just another person going, oh, if I could, I would, you know. But I just, yeah. I so often see people just scrolling past and not not helping. And I think it's so important to be that person that helps. But I also, while I'm on this, I just wanted to say that empathy instead of sympathy as well. Like Mm. I always, when I was going through my shit, my sorry, (laughs) my stuff, I always found that people were like, oh, my God, you poor thing. And you've got four of them. Oh, mm. my God. And your marriage is breaking down. Oh, my God. You, I can't believe it. I don't know how I would cope. Whereas other people would come over mm. and they'd be like, oh, yeah, the same thing happened to me. And I went through this and that. I would have a cup of tea with them. I would have a laugh and joke. And I felt healed and I felt understood. So I really need people to yeah. like come to me with that empathetic view of I've been there or I know someone that's been there. Or, it's totally normal, like you were saying, rather than the whole, like, oh, if you're not, I don't think you're coping, babe. I've noticed that you're not really mm. coping. That can just put mm. someone's back up and make them feel like crap. Absolutely. And don't say, you know, and you can't just pull yourself together from, from postnatal depression. Yeah, anxiety. absolutely. It, it is an illness. So, And you wouldn't say that to someone who's broken up. Yeah. <laughs> just, just fix that arm. So, yeah, so um, you should I always remember that. Great. It, it yep. is really important. And, you know, I can tell you that each and, uh, each and every call to our helpline pretty much starts with... Uh, it's always a storytelling, you know. We, we don't, we're not looking for stats and, and, and a quick fix. A call to our helpline usually, you know, lasts the, about an hour. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to call our helpline, make yourself a cup of tea, sit down, because we want to hear the story. We want to yes. hear what's going on. Because, in fact, and the story as it unfolds is often much more complicated than it starts. So we yeah, want to hear it wow. all so we can work out, really help someone work out what to do next. So, how lovely. you know, it's, just, it's how those lovely friends for the people jumping call in, you. Yeah, look, it, it is. It's a beautiful service. They're gorgeous. They're, they're sitting kind of right behind me, behind a glass wall here, um, and they, they're amazing. They they talk, and, they, and there's nothing they haven't heard, and um, and they have heard so many dark thoughts from women because, you know, someone might be thinking that I just can't get by with this or, or fearing that they're going to hurt their baby or fearing that, you know, just thinking actually everyone would be better off. I might just go away and create a new identity somewhere else. None of those stories are unusual, or it could be that it's, it's just an ongoing sadness and that they can't shake and that's really hard for them to find the joy. But, um, you know, we really want people to get help. The sooner the sooner the better. So one of those other messages in there for a friend is, you know, if this is happening to you, it's kind of better to reach out now than later. Yeah. You'll get sooner, quicker now if you, if you step up and, and get that help. And there is, there is help available, our website, our helpline. But also, you know, if you have a good relationship with your GP, Start a conversation with your GP. 68% of our callers haven't told their GP. Yeah. I don't know what that says about, you know, wow. we, it really is that holding holding it in. So if you can't get the support from your friends and family. Some GPs aren't very good at this sort of stuff, no. though. They're not all great. Yeah, I didn't like to say that. But, you know, <laughs> and sometimes that means... But I like the idea right. of calling you guys and chatting to you guys because yeah. I think it's an overwhelming, scary thing. I've it never is. made the call, I have to admit, even though I, I went to see a psychologist, but I'd never made that call because I was scared yeah. that I was going to deal with clinical people that were going to be like, hmm, and assessing yeah. me to see if my baby yeah. was in danger and, you know, yeah. that scary stuff? Mm. Yeah. Like like no. chatting to a friend. They're just yeah, good, it's like they're, chatting they're to good, a friend. Good, good. Good, good people, and in fact, about half our half our team have have had their own experience of depression or anxiety. So that's half our professional team, and then we also have a whole peer support team as well who do follow up calls if people are feeling 
feeling a bit nice. a bit a bit lonely, a bit wanting some some ongoing support. So nice. yeah, it's good good service to know about. So so glad How you asked beautiful. me today. Thank yeah, you so amazing, much, Terry. Uh, and you can buzz the Panda National Helpline on 1300 726 306 or visit panda.org.au for more info. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, and chatting with us, Terry. Thanks so much for sharing the conversation. And if you or anyone you know is going through a hard time, you can call the trained professionals at Lifeline. They are on hand 24-7. Their number is 13 11 14. This is the Queen Sesh.